0: This is The 117 Podcast, with your host, Rafael Hernandez.
1: Welcome, everyone. You are listening to The 117 Podcast. And today, we, I am here with Mark Cashwind for us to talk Serginho Dest. Serginho is very, very close to joining Barcelona. If you believe some of the reports, I would say that many reliable reports have already said that he's definitely coming for 20 to 25 million euros and although that we have some reports in germany that are linking the right back to buyer munich as a done deal i would say that there are some links uh, to buyer too as a done deal but i am going with the barcelona sources right now because you have Oriol Dominek who has really good connections to to Ajax in in the Netherlands, and if he's saying it's a done deal, it's a done deal. And by the time that you you've been hearing this podcast, you will uh, the the Sergio Des signing is likely to be confirmed by Barcelona. So it's very very close. So Mark is a big Ajax fan, and he's exactly the kind of person that we need on this show. We, we don't want, we don't only want experts because the the term expert is very Is very loosely used today, and I would say that it's better for us to talk to fans. It's it's much more personal, and it's much more honest, too. So, Mark, first of all, I want to welcome you to the 117 Podcast.
0: Thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate being here. Wish it was in different circumstances than talking about one of my favorite players, potentially going to your club, but that's the, uh, as we were talking about a little bit before we hopped on here, that's the life of an Ajax fan, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty used to it at this point.
1: Okay, Mark, so how about you tell us why are you upset that Sergio Dest is leaving?
0: Yeah, so I mean, Sergio Dest, he popped up playing a little bit more as a winger when he was on the U19 team and like playing in the UEFA Youth League, and I knew he was half American, half Dutch, so I was always kind of keeping an eye on him. And I didn't know like his full backstory, that he had, had played some time as a fullback, so I really only knew him as a winger. And he converted to a fullback to play for our B team, Young Ajax, and I saw a few games and I was blown away. He is so unbelievably technical, he was so tricky and confident as a player, and I was just like, whoa, this guy is different than all of the other right backs and fullbacks in the world. And pretty quickly, I became enamored by him. I loved watching him play. And I started, as people do on Twitter, started really hyping him up as the next big thing. He'll get into the IX first team very, very quickly ahead of, you know, the other prospects that many, many, many held in higher regard. And that's exactly what he did. He blew up. On the scene, um, really took his chances in preseason and was a very good performer for us at the start of last season. Was starting over, you know, Nuzir Mazraoui, who had became our you know mainstay as a right back, did really really well in the Champions League, and he's just insanely talented. He has such a unique skill set for the position that it's no surprise that these top teams in Bayern Munich and Barcelona really want to sign him. And if it were up to me, two years left on his contract, we don't need the money whatsoever. And we need to have a strong, talented, and deep team if we want to make a significant run in the Champions League, which I think we should be aiming for every single year. Enough of this, you know, being a feeder club, enough of, you know, just qualifying from the group stage is enough. You know, I think we truly have the talent to make significant runs in the Champions League. Basically every single year, and that's the case again this season. And I don't think there's any reason that we should be letting him go. A player of that talent to let him go for twenty to twenty-five million is frankly upsetting to me. And um, you know the fact that we're just losing a very good player when we don't really need to is is, is a tough pill to swallow. And it's uh, it'll be good news for either Bayern Munich or Barcelona, depending on where he does sign.
1: Well, this is really great to hear for any Barcelona fan right now. But I understand your feelings, Mark, and honestly, I hope that he fulfills his potential at Barcelona. So, Mark, tell us a, a little bit about this. Where, where did he begin? Did did he begin his career in the United States, or did he start in in the Netherlands? How 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 did it all
0: begin? Yeah, so he's a he's an interesting case, but fairly straightforward from an IX perspective, actually. So he's 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 half Dutch, half American, but he was fully born and bred in the Netherlands. Um, and he was always like, you know, he was seen as a pretty good prospect, not amazing. He joined like the IX Academy when he was 12, 13 or 14, somewhere in that time frame. And, you know, pretty quickly, he wasn't really getting any call-ups for the youth Dutch national teams. You know, he wasn't seen as some incredible prospect. And so the US, you know, kind of hearing that he had this American father jumped at the opportunity very quickly to bring him into the youth setups. So he got called up very, very early, and he's basically been in the youth U.S. Youth National Team setup from, since I believe he was either 15 or 16, um, and then just kind of worked his way up, worked his way up. And eventually, like I said, when he sort of made that permanent transition to being and focusing on being a fullback, he really took off. Because like you know and like many others know, being a fullback in the modern game is, what, 75% how good you are at attacking, 25% how good you are at defending, especially when you're playing for these super teams that, you know, are going to dominate the ball, and you basically act like a winger. So he took his skill set, which was already, you know, basically very good at dribbling, very, very quick, very, very technical, and he brought that from the right-back position, and it made him super hard to defend because when you're playing as a right-back, especially in the IX system, you're very often isolated 1v1 when you get the ball and your sole goal is to basically get it down the wing, get it down the line, put in a good cross, make something happen offensively. And with his skill set, he was making that happen time and time and time and time again. And so he was once people really saw how consistent his his performances were getting and how he was able to impact the game on an almost, you know, daily basis. It became pretty clear to the IX coaching staff that they had a real potential player here. And again, like you know, finding really promising and talented fullbacks is is hard to come by, um, just because it's a, a unique position where you need to be really good going forward. You need to be quick enough so that you can handle your tasks defensively. But because of our system, we were able to bring him through, you know, more quietly and and, and more easily than most clubs in the world. Just because we have our Ajax 2, which is young Ajax, similar to the Barcelona B, but they play in the second division in Holland. So he's playing against adults, he was playing against grown men, and he was able to really hone his craft very, very quickly. And after he joined young Ajax in the in January of 2019, I mean, it was almost a meteoric rise. Every single game he was playing better than the next, better than the next, better than the next. And by the summer, he was already invited to play with Ajax's uh, first team in preseason. And he caught a little bit of a break because it was coming off a summer of some tournaments, the Copa America, the African Cup of Nations. So Mazraoui had come back tired and a little bit injured. Tagliafico came back very, very late. Um, so he wasn't really participating in the preseason friendly games. And so he got his chance. We had no other real fullbacks to play. And he played a lot of left-back, he played a lot of right-back, and he was brilliant in every single one of his performances. And Eric Ten Hag, who a little bit infamously among Ajax fans, is not the most generous to give debuts to for the, for the young Ajax players. Um, he, he really wants you to prove it. And he threw Destin immediately. He really showed him that he had the level and he had the maturity, and he had the confidence, and he had the qualities in his own ability to make an impact for the for the first team. And that's exactly what he did. And um, once he made his, his debut in the first game of the season um, in the Dutch Super Cup against PSV, he showed that he belonged, and he took it from there.
1: Well, this is quite incredible to to hear that he actually made his debut against Ajax's greatest rivals. And th- did he perform, perform well in that match?
0: That was the game that I think everyone... Really knew that we had a player on our hands because he actually played at left back in that game. And that's something I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later is his versatility and ability to play as a left back and as a right back. Played as a left back in that game, went up against Irving Lozano for a large part of the game who, you know, very good Mexican winger, ended up going to Napoli and was just very, very good never got beat defensively was creating problems offensively and almost cemented it with a brilliant debut goal where he drove inside did a little step over on on Denzel Dumfries who's actually the starting you know right back for the Dutch national team or was for a little bit of time uh, and hit it against the post with his left foot and it would have been just a brilliant brilliant goal and everyone all the Ajax fans were like wow this is it we've got our new prospects we've got our new you know potential superstar here and he started, that's where the hype really took off. And I think from that point on, you know, with young players, you need to seize the opportunities. And without Tage Fico and Mazraoui, he had that opportunity and he took it. And from that point on, Ten Hag knew he had a player that he could trust and that he could play. Um, and we saw that with the uh, amount of minutes that he received in the Champions League that season.
1: Yeah, this is very interesting to hear because all of these stories from youth players getting promoted to the first team. It's always a challenge, and and he had one of the biggest challenges he can have in the Netherlands, and he actually did it quite not well, but only great. It's very, very mm-hmm. exciting to hear, too, I would say, as a Barca fan.
0: Yep, definitely. And I think it's a, it points to not only his ability, but his confidence, which is something that you desperately need as a footballer in general, but particularly if you're trying to, you know, usurp better and more established players than you, um, you know, like Mazraoui and like Tagliafico and like he will have to do if he goes to Barcelona, you know, he's going to have to have the confidence in himself that, you know, I, I'm better than Sergio Roberto. You know, I, 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 I deserve to be at this club. And I think that that's something he showed at Ajax from day one, that he knew how talented he was. He, believed in himself so much that he didn't hide. He did everything that made him great. The step overs, the no look passes, you know, the, the, the fancy flicks and tricks. And it's, it's a bit unique coming from a right back. And, you know, you, you would think that maybe some young players in that in that scenario would say, okay, whoa, I'm getting my debut. I know I love to do all these flicks. I know I love to do all these tricks, but it's my debut. It's my first season. Let me kind of tone my game down a little bit and be a little bit more conservative, but it was the exact opposite. He did exactly what he'd been doing this entire time um, and continued to show that confidence, and that's something that you you know, you know desperately want to see from young players.
1: Yes, and I would say that we actually are desperately in need of a fullback like that Barcelona, because ever since Dani Alves left, we had Sergio Roberto and then Senedo it, it hasn't been really good. Finally to have some kind of player that actually can impose himself, that can actually actually take risks because many many footballers, even at the top level, they actually are very uh, risk averse. Uh, it's, it's good to hear this. And then we, we actually begin to, uh, I actually want to know a little a little bit more about his policies. What, what would you say? are the the best qualities that Des has and his
0: weaknesses too. Yep, so I'll start with his with his qualities and his strengths. And I think it's it'll be very apparent from, you know, the first minute that you watch either like a YouTube video of him or you finally get the chance to watch a game in that in which he plays and that he's incredibly incredibly technical. He's incredibly quick and he's very sort of Confident and progressive on the ball. So starting with his dribbling, you know, he's, he's kind of like a street footballer in that sense. He loves to do, you know, you'll, you'll see videos of him constantly doing really outrageous skill moves and, you know, doing little street soccer type battles against, you know, freestylers and things like that. So that's kind of where he gets that innate skill is sort of like playing on the street. And so he, he just has this amazing ability to get by players, whether it's little stepovers, whether that's doing a little, you know, Ronaldinho type Elastico move, you know, he has every type of move in, in, in his game and he loves to bring them out. He's not shy to do it. And I'm sure you'll get you, you or the, uh, the Byron fans will get to see those moves very, very soon. Um, and they're, they're fun to watch and they're electric to watch and it's what makes him so unique. And then he pairs that with his speed. At a straight sprint, he's not going to be as fast as a Nelson Semedo, just because he's a little bit smaller. Um, you know, five foot seven, five foot eight. So when he kind of gets going, you know, his legs aren't long enough to really make him unbelievably fast. But he is super, super, super quick. Um, that's obviously something you guys have <laughs> have have seen over the years with with a certain Lionel Messi. That you know, even though he's not the biggest, and maybe in the straight sprints he's not going to be the fastest, but in short little areas. He's super quick. He basically can get to the ball when you don't think that he's going to get there. He just he finds that little extra gear to get to the ball. And so when you combine that with his dribbling skills, that obviously makes him very, very dangerous in 1v1 situations. And then the last thing that I'll touch on from his qualities is something that doesn't get talked about enough, in my opinion, but he loves to combine and progress the play with his passing. He loves to play a little you know, give and goes, little one-twos around the corner. Um, he loves to be, you know, sort of very proactive in finding players further up the field. He's not a guy that likes to play it backwards and sideways. And that was something that was really evident in games last season because we lost Frankie De Jong, And Frankie was basically our man to get the ball from defense and midfield to the attackers. And without him, we struggled to do that. But with Dest in the team, he helped so much in that regard because he's so quick and he's so sharp and he's so incisive and he's so positive on the ball that he would, you know, take a touch inside and fire a pass between the lines to Dusan Tadic or Ziyech or whoever it might have been. And, you know, follow his pass, get it back, play another one, and then all of a sudden we're on the attack. So that's one of his qualities that I think is a little bit underrated and something that'll be very beneficial to any club that he goes and especially Barcelona, because for, you know, ages, like you mentioned, Semedo and Roberto just didn't have that real ability to basically get the ball on the wing in their own half and, you know, turn that into a positive play. It was very rare for them to get the ball and you know maybe beat their man and play the ball forward or take a touch inside and play a little angled pass between the lines to like find Messi in space or find whoever in space. So I think that that'll be something quite immediately is very very beneficial to to Barcelona is that ability to get the play going and, and be very progressive um, and help and build up. And then from the weaknesses perspective. I think it's pretty apparent in my eyes. It's that he switches off sometimes defensively. You'll, you'll see he's not the, you know, he's not the most attentive defensive player you'll ever see. You know, he's not exactly as Piliqueta. He's not exactly Philip Lom. You know, he's not constantly looking over his shoulder and and tracking runners and, you know, making sure that he's, you know, in line with his other center backs and his left back to make sure he's playing like the offside correctly. And I think th- there's a few reasons to why he does this. One is that he's not the most clever player without the ball. Um, and so he sometimes just kind of just doesn't really know where the runners are behind him. He's not constantly checking his shoulder. And he's not a center midfielder, so he's not really used to doing that. Um, and then the other one is that his, he's so fast. Um, so he, he, I think for years and years and years when he was growing up in the academy, he could, he could compensate with his speed, um, knowing that, you know, if he did get beat, he'd be able to recover with his speed. So that's something that he's going to have to really work on, um, is just making sure that at all times he switched on defensively, keeping track of runners and, you know, just not allowing any stupid mistakes to kind of happen. But I compare him to Marcelo a little bit in that sense, one of uh, someone that you know quite well, obviously. And Marcelo has basically gone an entire career without being great at tracking yeah. runners and you know, being really switched on defensively. So it, it, it's not you, know, the end of the world for a fullback. Um, like we said, attacking is more important than defending. He is a good 1v1 defender. He just sometimes switches off on those moments, and that's something that he needs to improve on. The second thing that I think he needs to improve on is just his overall consistency. And that's standard for young players, but I think it kind of comes back to his overall mentality in a way that sometimes he gets a little bit too relaxed um, and he, and he kind of knows that he's, you know, so good on the ball and that he can kind of do so many different things that sometimes he gets a little bit too passive and he won't do as much as you know that he can. Um, but, you know, it's not a major concern. This is pretty common with young players. You see this all the time. Saw this a little bit with Ansu Fati last season, where sometimes you're like, wow, he's amazing. And then other games, you're just like, eh, I know you could do a lot more than this. We know, why aren't you? So that's something that'll come with a little bit of time, nothing to be overly concerned about. And then the final thing would probably be his crossing and end product Um, for how good he is at dribbling. His crossing sometimes leaves a lot to be desired. He's not exactly Trent Alexander-Arnold. He's not bad at it. But it's definitely something that he could get better at. And if you listen to some interviews with him, that's always one of the first things that he says. He thinks he could be scoring more goals and he thinks he could be getting more assists because he knows he has the ability to get into those areas and he uh, just needs to take advantage of it. So I think that those would be the three I would uh, I would highlight. So nothing severe, but definitely things that he needs to clean up if he wants to really be a you know top, top class player.
1: Yeah, it's basically what we have seen with many young players. It's honestly... That doesn't worry me either. I would say he—he's very much welcome to develop himself at Barça, and hopefully, with the right guidance, he, he will become a world-class football fullback. I would say that crossing like Trent Alexander-Arnold is something that no fullback in the world <laughs> has. So maybe if he gets halfway there, I'll be happy enough because Trent is really—I would say—underrated in that sense. And finally, Mark. I would uh, Would you say that it's too soon to him to, uh, for him to leave Ajax? And do you think that he's going to make it at Barca, personally?
0: It's a tough one. I've been having this conversation a lot recently. And I think, yes, it is too early for him to leave. Because I think sometimes the pressure and the environment that you're in can be too much for a guy if, you know, you, you haven't... Fully shown what you're capable of at your first club, and it's not like Frankie De Jong and De Ligt, who had done everything. Um, you know, they'd shown how good they are in the Champions League. They'd gone to the semi final. They played against some of the best teams in the world, and you know, everyone knew they belonged. Everyone knew they were ready for the next step. Everyone knew that Frankie would go to Barcelona and be their instant starter. I didn't have any doubts. Dest, on the other hand, he's shown very, very well against some very, very good teams. He did really well against Valencia last season in the Champions League, uh, playing against guys like Ferran Torres, who's now at Manchester City, Gonzalo Guedes he did a very good job uh, dealing with as well. He also did really well against Lille, who have some really tricky, dangerous, fast wingers also. Um, But he wasn't the permanent starter he rotated with Masrawi time and again. Um, he didn't even get to finish you know, the full season, which wasn't his fault, but because of the coronavirus, you know, wasn't able to kind of, I guess, com- finish his job, which was to you know, win a title with Ajax and you know, kind of do what he's su- supposed to do a- a- as an Ajax player. And I think he just needs another year to, to clean up his game overall. And it's a lot easier to learn on the job at Ajax when the level's a little bit lower and you you don't have the millions and millions of fans criticizing your every little move, um, which we know happens at Barcelona. Their fans are ruthless. Um, So I think it would have been safer for him to probably stay another year and kind of hone his craft. But having said that, is there going to be a better time for a young fullback to go to Barcelona? Jordi Alba is old and did not show anywhere near his his usual level last season. Nelson Semedo is now gone, which means that the only right back is Sergio Roberto, who, again, I know and many fans know, has not lived up to the you know the high standards that Barcelona and their fans have for players. So he can make an impact right away. He doesn't need to sit on the bench. He doesn't need to, you know, kind of slowly integrate into the team. There's an opportunity here for him to be successful from day one. And you couple that with a coach who is Dutch, who speaks his language, who, you know, wanted him for the Dutch national team. They have already had conversations about that. So there are a lot of things in his favor right now. So while, yes, I think maybe he would have been more successful had he stayed one more year at Ajax and then come into this same situation next summer you know there's no guarantee that the same situation would have presented itself you know if he didn't if he didn't decide to go to Barcelona now you know maybe Barcelona sign some other right back or whatever and he doesn't have as, as good of a season at Ajax and his confidence kind of falls and his overall level decreases and Barcelona say eh, we don't want you anymore And then it could be it for him. So I think this is a unique opportunity to join one of the best teams in the world and make an impact from day one. And I'm going to say it now that if he goes, I think he will be successful. I think he's that talented. He's a player that Barcelona fans will enjoy because of the overall skill level and his overall, you know, confidence will be so night and day compared to what you guys have seen with Sergio Roberto and Semedo over the last couple of years. So it's kind of a, a double-edged answer, and it's a, and it's a little bit of a cop-out maybe, but on one hand, yes, I think he should have stayed one more year, but on the other hand, yes, I think he can still be a very successful player for Barcelona right now.
1: Yeah, I really like this honesty, and I had my doubts about this, but I would say, Mark that you really helped me be more exi- excited and looking forward to to watching him play for Barca after he's announced, hopefully. And... How how can I say this? I would I already tweeted this that Sergino Des he, he's not the finished pro- product uh, yet, but if we are patient, I would say that he's going to to become a a, a fine player to for, for Barcelona. I want to, to thank you thank you Mark for participating, and I would say that m- many Barcelona fans right now are much more confident and looking forward to that signing. Thank you very much,
0: my friend. Yeah, no problem. And hopefully uh, the fans don't turn on him too quickly. Give him some time. He's a young kid, you know, needs a lot of progressing to do, but he's uh, super, super talented. And if we can't have him at Ajax, I'm at least happy that he'll be with uh, an unhappy Lionel Messi and a more happy Frankie de Jong, who are my uh, two other pride and joys. So hopefully... uh, He can do some work with them.
1: Yeah, I would say that it can't get any worse than Sergio Huberto and Tenedo, so we are good. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mark. Thank you, my friends, and see you on social media.
0: Thanks. Thanks so much. This was the 117 Podcast.